Welcome to another episode of Systemic Trauma and how it impacts the health and well-being of Black women. I'm your host, Simone, and in this episode, I will be discussing postpartum depression. Postpartum depression has become a silent epidemic for Black mothers. The CDC now estimates that 700 to 900 new and expectant mothers die in the U.S. each year, and an additional 500,000 women experience life-threatening postpartum complications. 40% of those women are Black women, 17% are women of other races, and 12% are white women. Postpartum depression, or PPD, is usually part of the pregnancy-related discussion women have with their doctors, but most Black women struggle to find their voice in those discussions. We struggle to find our voice because doctors most often do not acknowledge our concerns. It's no secret that the healthcare system in America continuously fails Black women. We face countless of social, economic, and cultural obstacles when seeking healthcare. A 2011 study from Harvard Medical School found that just less than half as many low socioeconomic status Black women receive counseling or medication in the six months after giving birth compared to low socioeconomic white women. There's also the mental health stigma within the Black community. We have our cultural script that influences us. Um, there are scripts like, I'm a strong Black woman, and only God can fix it. We don't use words like this depression. We don't, we don't say we're feeling depressed. Um, and, you know, another thing that uh, stop us from expressing um, the pain or fatigue or all the symptoms that comes with uh, postpartum depression is that we're, we're, we're worried. We're worried that if we were to share or tell someone um, that we're sad and that we can't cope, then we'll lose our kids. So with all of these obstacles, um, it's no wonder that postpartum depression is now an epidemic for Black mothers. Today, my conversation about postpartum depression will be uh, with a close friend of mine, Esther. Um, Esther will share her experience with postpartum depression and with Harlem Hospital, where she had her baby. I don't think in 2006, when she had her second child, postpartum depression was something that she even thought about. She knows she had um, feelings of sadness, feeling overwhelmed, um, crying all the time, but really didn't understand what that meant. And so I welcome Esther to, to share her story, tell her truth, if you may, and uh, so, yes, thank you, Esther. So, Esther, welcome. Thank you. Hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy you're here to, to really, um, you know, have this open and honest conversation. Um, your, your child is, is a big, big man now. He's 14, yeah, right? 14 years old now crazy silly as ever but yep (laughs) 
So um, me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know, but it's 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 really good to still have this conversation. You you yeah. went through it, and now you're at this place right now where you have a beautiful child, mm-hmm. um, and you're homeschooling. You're doing all the the right things to. Um, to make sure that he is a productive part of society as a black man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, thank you for that, of course. Yeah, um, and so, yes, let's just talk about, let's, let's dig into it. So I, I've known Esther um, for a very long time. I know her when she had a Johnny. And just thinking about, knowing that I was going to have this conversation with her, I was thinking about things that I saw. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's when she... Oh, this effort was crazy. <laughs> Just like thinking about it, right? But now I understand what was going on, happening. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just digging deeper into postpartum. I've never had a kid, but it's always been something that I think in our community that we need to talk about. Like that's my goal with this podcast. Whatever mm-hmm. our pain, whatever so even if we've we're still going through it, we 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 you know, um been able to heal. Let's all talk about it. Let's all find a way that we can continue to heal and help other black women mm-hmm. to be open and honest about their journey. So yeah. let us know when you, you got pregnant and um, yeah. yeah. Um, I got pregnant in, ooh, what year was that? That was 2000. He's 2006. He's born in 2006. So I found that I was pregnant in 2005. Um, I was, you know, in a relationship uh, I have an older daughter. She's 18. And so I was in a relationship with my um, now ex. And we were already on the brink of, um, you know, of separating or, you know, just we weren't doing that well. Um, and, you know, it just got pregnant. You know, it's one of those Johnny days. Surprise. Yeah, surprised. <laughs> surprise. You know, it came home one of those nights. You go out and you come home and things just happen. And it's like, you know, oh, shit. <laughs> What did you I were, do? You were drunk. Yeah, I was drunk. <laughs> I was drunk. Woke up in the bed because I wasn't even sleeping in the bed um, at that point. So I woke up in the bed like, why, why am I in the bed? Why are we in the bed together? You know? And um, so that happened. And then I found out, you know, a few months later that I got pregnant. And it was kind of like, like, oh, shit. Like, damn. Like, I don't. This is not what I want right now. Right? Like, I was already planning my exit strategy. And, um, so, you know, it happened and I'm kind of not, I'm not against abortion, but it wasn't something that was a choice for me in my life. Um, so it was just kind of like, you know what, like, fuck it. I'm 29. I'll just have this baby. And, um, so I decided to keep the baby and my pregnancy, I think my, what I went through in my pregnancy was it reflected, it directly reflected how, how I felt, right? Um, just about the relationship, uh, the way that I treated myself and <laughs> treated the pregnancy mm-hmm. was completely different from the way that I treated my first pregnancy when I was, you know, I was vegan. I was, um, my first pregnancy, um, I did every, you know, I read every book, <laughs> um, I exercise. I even, I was teaching aerobics when I was, my first pregnancy. I was just doing things very differently. This pregnancy, I kind of was just pregnant, right? I still worked 40 to 60 hours a week and I didn't care because I was just like, I need, I'm working, right? Um, and um, started to eat what I wanted to eat. 
um, I think that might have been a little bit of a Johnny <laughs> too, because I was vegetarian and then like all of a sudden I wanted a steak. So I don't know if it was that male energy kind of, yeah, you know, calling for some more protein or whatever iron. I don't know, but um, yeah, things just it was just very it was just a very different pregnancy. Um, just emotionally, I wasn't really in it, um, and it, it was hard. You know, yeah. um, I ended up with. Uh, what was it? I became a high risk, even though I, I started to plan out to do a home birth, right? Um, towards the end, but I ended up being high risk. So they diagnosed me with polyhydramnios, which is like a um, situation where you have like double the amount of amniotic fluid in your system. Um, so my belly was like, you know, double or triple the size it was supposed to be. Um, they were like, there's no way you're having a home birth. You're going to be giving birth to the hospital. My brain was like, yeah, whatever. I'm still doing a home birth. <laughs> and so I didn't even like start researching like what, what the plan B would be, right? Like what hospital would I go to and, and, and birth this child? Um, so do just, you, do you think, do you think maybe just not expecting to be pregnant because that's not what you were looking for at that particular time sort of um, got you to a place where you just didn't really care. You decided to keep the baby and you were excited about that at some point, mm -hmm. but there wasn't that same care there. So you just ate whatever you want to eat, do mm -hmm. whatever you want to do. And then do you think that sort of played or made you um, not well? where you develop that uh, particular thing? Did they say, I'm not certain how you develop it, if it's just a common thing that happens with mothers mm -hmm. or if it was an age thing? I mean, you're still young, right. 29. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to try to age people all the time now. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I think, I think well, what they told me with the polyhydramnios was that um, usually mothers that get it usually have um, either a pre-diabetic or have some kind of, you know, diabetic issues going on or the baby is themselves will have like something going on with their um you know with that system or with the kidneys mm -hmm. not filtering properly okay. or the mom um they did all of those tests they didn't find anything you know with um wrong with me in that sense or with the you know with with the child <clears throat> so they didn't they actually really didn't re know why I had it and where it came from so you know, stress, I think, is a factor for a lot of things that we, you know, come up with when, when our body becomes, like, just diseased. Yes. You know, so I I, I attribute it to that, um, especially because they couldn't find anything. Um, and, yeah, I think it, it just played a lot of, a, a big part. Like, you know, for, for me to have this lifestyle where I was, like, super healthy, super, like, you know, yeah. just exercised all the time and really paid attention to even where my mindset was to just completely not right it just went from one day to the next yeah. right and um so now you have it's not just you now it's you and this other child that's growing inside of you and you're not taking care of either one yeah. <laughs> you know so how was your um, mood during the pregnancy were you were you we know that it probably it wasn't something that you were expected but now that you're in it were you finding ways to sort of uh be joyful with that process um I tried but I think that I tried to you know because I accepted the fact that I was gonna you know just go through the pregnancy but mm -hmm. I think like I said at home I wasn't happy 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at home I wasn't happy and that this child that I'm having was half this other person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I think there's a little bit of like that anger or I don't know if you want to call it resentment or... Resentment. Right? I would um, say resentment for sure. Anger. You know, that was all there. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just... I don't know. I've got the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like, how was your mood? I mean, I think you answered it. I mean, but... Yeah, it, I, was, I was upset. I was angry. Yeah. I was depressed. Yeah. I was, you know, kind of... You know, there was things that I wanted to do with my life that required a little bit uh, more freedom. Yeah. And um, I knew at this point, I just it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, or at least for a year, right? Yeah. Um, Did you have the support of your family? Um, I know you said you and your partner were sort of on a um, getting ready to do that break. Did that break mm-hmm. happen at that point or? It didn't. Um, you know, I was on pause, of course, with that um, because it was just like, I, you know, I was at the point where I didn't really want to do it on my own. Um, not at that point. I was pretty much the person bringing home most of the income and um, <clears throat> you know, I was the one working full time. I was the one, you know. I don't think I knew that. No, at that time. Yeah, he was. He was. Were... He was still working, but not as much, right? Like not as much as he was. Like he wasn't like as full time doing the clients and stuff that he that he had before. So when I uh, was working, I worked into a. Um, you working at the spa? At the no, at, at Equinox at the gym, and I had fallen into the management position. I had already been a manager, I think at that point for about four, three years, three years. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, and I was doing really well in that position and I was about to actually transfer over to a different location um, and get a raise and a bonus and all that stuff. And so, you know, my hours I was working, like I literally was working about 40 to 60 hours. Wow. I mean, well, yes, 40 is just regular, but I was working at least 60 hours a week. And a part of that was because I didn't want to be home. <laughs> right. So. Wow. I worked overtime kind of on purpose most of the time so that I can um, be away as long as possible. Um, and That's so, a lot of stress. Yeah. That's a lot. So did you even take, um, um, what, what, do, what do they do? Like before the baby comes, you take that maternity, right? Like don't you take some leave before the baby comes? You're supposed to. I don't to. know how that whole yeah, process so, works. Yeah, some people do or some people just wait until they like the week that they're supposed to give birth or what have you, and mm-hmm. then they, they utilize those what did you do? three months. What did I do with Didn't you work up to the day that you gave birth? I might have. I well, I don't know. I think, yeah, because actually, you know, Amiri actually I did. Um, I think I took off, um, I'm trying to think with her, but I was fine. Like, I felt good, Okay. right? I was even teaching aerobics classes up until, like, the week before it was time to give birth with her. So, but him, I think that... I want to say I worked until the end, like maybe two weeks before I stopped, even though I was also considered high risk. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, I don't have anything else to do. Like, yes. you know, and and it was at the gyms. Right. So it was kind of like, all right, I can go to work. I can go not supposed to steam, but I was steam rooming and, you know, trying to do a few yoga classes toward the end. Um, so it was, it was, it was more relaxing for me to be at work. Okay. That's great. <laughs> so though. I did. You, yoga when you're close to giving birth and steaming. Even I know you shouldn't be doing no, that. Don't do that. a big sign. I've no never been is. pregnant. So that's crazy. Um, but, um, 
uh, I, you know, I use the, the word crazy very lovingly because I've known her for a very long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now you've uh, given birth and what will you're in labor, you're going to the hospital. Let's talk about, because um, we've talked privately about your experience at Harlem, Harlem Hospital. I've had my experience with Harlem Hospital mm-hmm. as well. Um, for you, for those of you who don't know, Harlem Hospital is located in Harlem in New York. Uh, New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as you know, Harlem. Maybe not now because of gentrification, but certainly, what? Let's say ten years ago. Yeah, you um, only go there for certain things. Yes, and, <laughs> and it's it was the majority their their patients are people of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and it's not a lot of black doctors there. Maybe now I don't know, but it's certainly. I, I think it's a teaching hospital, too. It is. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm seeing. So, yeah, so, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's not a lot of our color that's looking after us. And, and that would be fine if, if they would look at us as a regular human being and treat us as such mm-hmm. and not use, like, not put us all in that category. A bubble, yeah. You know, exactly. like, you, you're just like the last patient I just had. And I automatically put box you in, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so so I've had my experience with Harlem Hospital. It wasn't good. Um, I had a wonderful OBGYN. Um, so she was amazing. But uh, other than her, that's where it, it started and stopped. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, so, let, so let's talk about now you have to have your baby at Harlem. You didn't, you didn't know which hospital. So was it a surprise that you went to Harlem? Oh, it was a big surprise. Okay. Um, actually, I only went to... <laughs> I only went to Harlem Hospital because my mother had given, given me a call. No, she didn't call me. My aunt called and said, I don't want to alarm you. Your mom didn't want me to tell you, but she went and she, she admitted herself into Harlem Hospital because her arm was, her left arm was hurting. So she thought she was going to have a heart attack. Right. So I'm home just chilling out. And then she's like, oh, well, don't stress yourself about it. Right. And I'm like, Okay. And of course I've stressed myself about it. And um my water broke. And um well sorry, I mean well, you know, I started to feel like pre pre labor contractions or what have you. Um water breaks. Go walk myself to Harlem Hospital. Oh my I'm god, like- you walked <laughs> When I had to go to the hospital, because it's so close, they were like, oh, you should rush. Right. I walked, you walked. to the hospital. <laughs> it was close. Like, right. So- <laughs> I lived like four blocks, five blocks from, from the hospital at the time. So, yep. So I was like, all right, I'll walk over there and then like get checked out and then I'll go find my mama. Right. So I went there. They checked me out. Oh, you're, I don't know. I forget how many centimeters I was, but you know, you go home. Have a drink of wine, go sit in the tub. Did they say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they, they do tell you that. Like, even at, when I did the birthing center birth, it was like, oh, I you're didn't not know ready they would yet. tell you to go have a glass of wine. They tell you, yeah, they want you to relax. Oh. Get in the tub and, like, because that would help, you know. Yeah, yeah that's fine. I'm, I'm right. not saying wine. You, I know you can have a glass of wine when, when you're pregnant. At least one, you know, there's nothing right. wrong with that. But I didn't know that was an advice. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, you hear that a lot. Um, so I was like, okay. Um, did that uh i think at the time you know my ex had, had come home and was you know preparing um helping to prepare the tub and stuff like that and so sat in the tub had my glass of wine got out of the tub 
I need to go back to the hospital. <laughs> I'm about to give birth. So we got in a wow. cab at that point. Um, did we? Yeah, we got in a cab at that point. Because I, I remember the first time we, I walked there, the watermelon man. That's the one I'm going off subject, though. But the watermelon man on 130, um, 139th Street, I bent over his table. And he said, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> You ain't giving birth here. <laughs> oh, you got to get off my table. Uh-uh. I remember that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was on the way. So that, that shit's funny. He's <laughs> oh, oh, uh-uh. <laughs> Kick your ass to the hospital. <laughs> I got there, they put me in a waiting, you know, a table or whatever, waiting room. It's open. Oh, and they put me in the waiting room. Uh, I think hooked me up with sugar or something. And then, they, oh, they said, um, oh, well, we don't see a, a test for group strep B on record or what have you, right? It's like a normal test that they would test um, pregnant women to make sure that you don't have a f- the, the strep B uh, bacteria, which is usually naturally found in your colon. They tested me for that um, and said, oh, it's positive. So we have to give you antibiotics, right? Now, I was always educated to have a birth plan. So I walk around with my birth plan. So I came with the birthing plan, says what I would and not accept right? Um, that, um, you know, how I wanted to birth, all of this. They completely, like, they didn't even acknowledge the fact that there was a birthing plan. I well, kept, did you give them the birthing plan? I gave them the birthing plan. Okay. And, um, but, and here's a funny thing. I'll tell you, just to backtrack, my midwife, who was, you know, she, even though she was a, a licensed midwife working, you know, with the doctors and stuff like that, she was, you know, she just, she was very holistic and she knew the person that I was going to try to do the home birth with. She was, you know, she was very kind of pro that. Um, she was also, uh, working with Harlem hospital. Okay. Right. That's, I think I met her through some other place, but that was one of the hospitals that she's, she works with for giving birth. She was on vacation. She went to Africa and was like, well, you know, if you happen to go into labor before I get back, do not go to Harlem Hospital. Wow. <laughs> that was her advice. And she worked with Harlem Hospital. Wow. Right? So she said, do not go to Harlem Hospital. But, you know, again, like I said, I went. It was kind of like, let me go. But I also went to check on my mom. So I, I went. And um, they hooked me up to this medication, this antibiotic. Um, they Actually, and two, they almost gave me a penicillin or amoxicillin or something like that without looking in my chart to see, I forgot about that part, that I'm allergic to it. <laughs> so right? you made I have, them not do it? Because I, I always happen to mention it because okay. I was like, oh, like this is an IV, right? Of okay. a whole bag of medicine. So, so in my you head, said something. Yeah, I was like, um, did you read my allergies? Right? Did you, you know, I'm allergic to this, I'm allergic to that. Um, and wow. the nurse said, oh, and she uh, came back and you know, did a, a new bag or whatever and started the IV. 
So I had that in the whole time. Labor was moving fast. I said, you know, I got to go to the bathroom. No. And, you know, this is common. I know that they usually think that mothers assume they have to go to the bathroom because it feels the same as you going into labor and wanting to push. Um, but I'm very, very well aware of my body and what's going on. And I was very well trained during my first birth. Um, the place that I did, I birthed at a birthing center. And um, I was like, no, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> right? So they wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. Um, and, um, they'd move me into the, the delivery area and the birth, it happened so quickly, like super fast. And, um, it was aggressive. Ooh. It was aggressive. It was painful. And I mean, he just, you know, of course, before he came out, I went to the bathroom <laughs> on the table because they didn't let me go to the bathroom. So, but that happened and thank God they, they cleaned that up really quickly because he came right afterwards. Like he, yeah. he swam out. Um, and he, and I, I tore mm. and, um, you know, they went to take him, put him over the, you know, on the table or what have you and give him the hepatitis shot. And I said, you know, luckily I turned around. I was like, what are you doing? And they said, we're giving him the immunization. And I said, you didn't look at my birthing plan. Again, right? I do not do vaccinations at this time. And, I, you know, I, that was something in my birthing plan that I wanted, my, I wanted to birth my child right into my hands. Right? Um, so they took him away. And, and no vaccinations. Took him away. Was getting ready to. Thank God I caught that. Um, What else? Well, did you oh. get to? So they took him away, but did did you get to um, to hold him mm-hmm. in that moment? Like, so did he came out? Did they put him on? You know, I see movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know what really happens in the room. He came out. They took him. They let Derek cut the cord. Um, they were about to take the blood from mm-hmm. the umbilical cord at the time. You know, we, we, Simone, we, we've had this conversation. I wasn't really, I didn't know too much about stem cells at the time. So in my mind, it was just like, you're trying to take my baby's DNA, right? So, um, okay. Esther was- is very, she's, <laughs> she's like the biggest conspiracy theory person out there, but okay. That's a whole nother story. Right. A whole nother podcast. <laughs> we, we, we are about healing. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Right. So, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. But um, they went to take some blood from, from the umbilical cord. I said, no, absolutely not. That is something else that's in my birthing plan. You guys need to pull out my birthing plan because no one's reading my birthing plan, right? Um, usually whatever's written in there, you're supposed to um, cater to, right? It's your right. <clears throat> so, you know, they tried to take the, the umbilical cord blood or fluid or what have you. Um, I had to stop them from doing that. Stop them from giving them the injection. I had to stop them from giving them the hepatitis injection. Um, tell them to bring me my baby so I can, you know, uh, hold him and nurse him. Um, and, you know, okay, so fine. That happened. A few hours went past. Some of my friends showed up. My mother showed up, you know, had some visitors in the room. Um... The placenta, of course, you know, hospitals don't really allow you to take the placenta, which I was able to do, do so with the birthing center. Um, 
So when I asked for that, they told me, no, it's like a bio, biological waste or what have you, right? Um, we stole that. We took that. Really? We're <laughs> going to admit that right now? <laughs> we admit it. We'll admit it. I can admit that. <laughs> Years later. <laughs> so, so, all right. Um, <laughs> so, so, you stole the umbilical cord, or I should say the placenta. placenta. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember you were telling me that you had, um, you said something to a nurse about your birth and plan. And oh, what yeah. was her response okay. to you? So, yeah, the, the, the last major thing um, for me that was in the birthing plan, I did not want any medication um, anything, right? No epidural, no Pitocin, none of that. I have it specifically written in my birthing plan. And, um, when my friends and family were there, a friend of mine's was a a nurse, an RN. And she looked up at the bag and says, well, Esther, why do you have, um, Pitocin? I thought you didn't like medication or what have you. And I was like, no, I said, they didn't give me anything. I said, I had some kind of, you know, antibiotics for the group strep. B, what have you, but no. And she goes, well, this bag says Pitocin. She's like, I know what I'm looking at. And I look up. I was hooked up to, at some point, they must have hooked me up or switched the bags and put the Pitocin in, which explains why the birth was so aggressive. Um, so I approached the midwife and I asked her, I said, look, um, ABC, you know, this, this was in my birthing plan. This is what I, I complete. I never asked for this. No one's even informed me, right? No one told me that they hooked me up to Pitocin or they were giving it to me. And her response to me was basically, um, you know, the mothers that come here to birth don't ask questions, mm. right? Um, mm. and that's I, so telling to me. Like, yeah. that's, that's so... I don't know. When you told me that, I was just like, what? She was like... So you're just going to put everybody in this box? Yeah. No yeah. care. Yep. They don't ask questions. We just, you know... It, it, and I said, well, I, my, my delivery, my labor was going so quickly. Why did you do it? Right? Um, and she says, well, you know, it was a busy... When it's busy, mm. we try to get the mothers in and out as quickly as possible. Whoa. Right? Yeah. Which is another reason why they would not... Now, mind you... Harlem Hospital had just been renovated. Um, their their labor and delivery floor had just been renovated to have um, birthing chairs. They had the birthing tubs and all this stuff. So when I came in and saw that, I said I wanted to give, I wanted to do a water birth. She said, "No, that's just for show. <laughs> she said, that's just for show. We don't use those." <laughs> so it was just, I don't know. It was just, it was just horrible to see that. Mm. That was just the norm, right? Yeah. The, the, especially the, from what she said, it was just the norm. Yeah, like this is this mothers don't ask questions; they come here, yeah, and we but, push but, them in and out. But but you know, even her saying the mothers that come here, like who are the mothers that are going there mostly? Mm-hmm. Black women, black young black women, young yep. black women have mm-hmm. you know come in there. They don't ask questions. So what you coming in here? Africans. Asking? She said that too. African women. Yeah, they don't. They don't. A lot of them don't speak English. Yeah. So they couldn't communicate well anyway. She mm-hmm. did mention that. I yeah. forgot that too. So this yep. idea that you, how dare you come and ask questions? Mm-hmm. No, we, we got you. We know what you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no questions. We'll take care of you. But they're not honoring your best Anything. interest. Anything that you, or the thing that you wanted to do for, for your birthing process. They mm-hmm. totally disregard. Yes, um, completely. Dis- yeah. They called the social worker on me. Yeah. 
Well, see what I mean? Um, that's 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 a, a scare tactic. Yeah. That's a scare tactic. Yeah. Um, that's, whew, that's, I can't even imagine what that did mentally, just bringing a life into this world um, and how you were feeling even before you gave birth and that whole confusion. And then now you're here and nobody's respecting um, what you want. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you're now... Given your child, you're going home to this child with a man that you don't want to be with, mm-hmm. and you're gonna raise this child. So, how did you find your state of mind? Um, like I said, we've been friends, so I did see things. Mm-hmm. I did see things that were scary. Right. <laughs> um, but 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 you, you tell it. You tell just where you were. Like you know, be really because obviously he's fourteen. So you were able to yeah get through it. You know, because you're a strong black woman. <laughs> but the way you went through it, you didn't have to go through it that way. Right. I believe. Right. You know, mm-hmm. which is which is hard for you even to this day. Like, yeah. support. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, really yeah, taking that support from others. So, you know, talk about that. Um, when you realized that you were, I don't know if you called it PPD, postpartum. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was even in your brain, but you knew something was wrong. Right. Yeah, um... Yeah, I guess it's crazy because I, I didn't really start hearing about postpartum until around that time because I didn't know what it was even during my first birth, first trial. Um, and so I don't even know how I, how I got um, knowledge of it. But yeah, the, the just I just remember like being at being home with this new baby and <laughs> he wasn't an angry baby. He was actually a pretty like funny just like this he was this baby that would wake up at like I always said that he would wake up at like 3 a.m and 5 a.m and just stare at you and just be laughing <laughs> right <laughs> for like an hour straight and I was so like my mind was so you know messed up and I was still in that depressed state or that angry state I should say that I was like what the fuck do you want right to so this in my head to this child brand new baby two weeks old one week old well, two weeks old. That's when he started kind of doing a little giggles. Um, but that was my first thought. It wasn't like, oh, my God, you're so adorable. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like a new mom would be. Um, I had those moments, of course, right? Because babies are cute. But there was a lot of times where I was just like, I want to sleep. And this baby want to play. And I'm like, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> you know? Um, and a lot of that was because I was still just... My mind wasn't right. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I don't think at the time that I realized that that's what I was going through. I was just like, I have this baby and I'm dealing with, you know, this, this man that I don't want. I'm sleeping on my futon when I got a bed <laughs> because the man's in bed and, you know. Wait, what? So he, you gave him the bed? I, yeah, I don't know why. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because the TV was in the living room. I don't know. Yeah, I sure did. Oof, child, you crazy. But, um... I don't know what it was. Well, did you... So, let's... Okay, was there ever a time that you thought you can hurt yourself or hurt your child? Was there ever a time that you felt like there was... There was so much despair, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. That you just... You just didn't want to deal. Yeah, um... Well, yeah, I never... No, go ahead. I never, I never really felt strange. I never felt like hurting myself, per se, but I did. Like, there were plenty of nights when I was, like, wanting to hurt the baby. Like, just 
having visions, right? Of like, like daydreams and visions of like, we just watched a movie last night where the, this, this midwife was like, she thought her, her child was possessed and she was like bashing the baby's head into the wall. Like mm. I would visualize myself like bashing this baby into like the tile, right? Yeah. In the bathroom, just to, just so I can have some quiet <laughs> and peace. Yeah. I remember you told me that. Right? Yeah. Um, and like those, that was a vision that I had on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, I knew that, like, the way that I am, the person I am deep inside, I knew I wouldn't do it, but those thoughts and those feelings are real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't something, how Simone is talking about um, this, you being this strong black woman. I never, I never, even, even when I would express it or say, you know, to a friend or something like that, this is what I'm feeling or this is what I thought about last night. Um, it wasn't ever, like, saying it wasn't saying it like as a cry for help right it was and I you know I had support like you know I say like oh there was nobody there to help me I had support and there were even I know um some of them were like hey if you need help or whatever you (laughs) you're bugging (laughs) like but I think that's what you did Mm -hmm. so so you definitely have the support not to cut you but Mm -hmm. but but you were angry And Mm -hmm. so you pushed a lot of people away based on that anger. Mm -hmm. Um, Right? Wouldn't you say? There was just a lot of like, you were just, you know, but you were, you, like I'm not, and maybe you can, you really talk about it some more as far as where that anger, was it something, a buildup of things and now you have a child, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's weird though. For me, I feel like it was, I feel the buildup was more so like the, at that period of time in my life, it was the relationship, right? And I think that that's where the the root was. It was Mm. like, I already in my head (laughs) had started planning on like being by myself, like leaving this person and starting over and leaving New York and starting fresh. And then I felt like this was, uh, what do you call it? You know, like a little, yeah, it kind of threw needle off on the road or something yeah. like that. You know, something that it threw it off. So to me, it wasn't um, this beautiful thing. It was a, mm. it was like an obstacle, an obstacle. Okay, right. So you're not seeing it as like it just had my beautiful baby. It's mm-hmm. just now here's this thing that's gonna not allow me to do all the things that I wanted to do. That I want to do, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, I remember my midwife telling me, she's like, you know, two is hard. Like, you sure you want to have another one? Like, two is hard. And instead of me, like, thinking, I wasn't, at that point, I don't know, I, I wasn't thinking of myself. And like I said, I'm not really, um, I didn't, abortion wasn't for me. But at the time, I was just like, no, I did this, right? So mm-hmm. I got to deal with it. Like, you deal with your fucking consequences. Yeah. Um, whether I wanted it or not. Yeah. Um, so, she, yeah, I remember her, like, I remember, like, sitting there with that baby and hearing my midwife's voice. You sure? <laughs> you sure you want to have another one? That's and, funny. Um, well, did you, did you, um, because I know you said you had support and, you know, family was around. You're, you're, you have a very, you know, tight-knit family. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I was still, we were still new in our friendship. I did babysit once, but we were still <laughs> new because Johnny was so cute. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, really I just want to be around this baby mm-hmm. um, and help as much as I possibly can. So, you know, um, but did you ever thought of like talking to someone outside of your family? to and 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 if and if you didn't what made you not think about it what made you felt like it was okay like i can do this i can do this on my own mm-hmm. and obviously you got past it right i you did mm-hmm. and but what made you not felt like you know for all the millions of women thousands of women who are not getting past it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. what made you stick it out or decide that you don't you don't think you need this help you don't think you need to talk to someone about all the emotions that you're going through and what would what was your outlet what did you do is what i'm trying to get well to. i think yeah well at the time i did, i really didn't like i said even though i heard of the whole post-traumatic you didn't put it together i didn't put it together i just thought that i was just this angry black woman <laughs> That was, you know, upset at the at the dad, <sighs> which I was, and I didn't, I didn't. So that no, 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 no. You were not an angry black. Woman. Well, not an angry black I woman, really, but I was angry. You, you. There was a lot of stuff that was going on. Right. Like, I'm not trying to tell you your emotions, but you, as you know, we have that stigma mm-hmm. on us mm-hmm. as women of color when we when we show our emotions. Exactly. You yeah. know why there's twelve percent, only twelve percent of white women. Suffering from um, postpartum, Mm-mm. which is still a pretty big number and it shouldn't happen for all women. It's because they have no problem mm-hmm. telling people how they feel in whatever emotions they want to tell people how they feel. Right. We, we worry about how we look mm-hmm. to society. We worry how we're going to sound. Mm-hmm. We worry how they're going to see us. Right. Yeah. You know? And that's why we stifle it. That's why some of us make it by stifling it, but you still lose something in the end. Mm-hmm. What's the relationship with your children? Mm-hmm. If you decide to not and confront not. or deal with the, the fact that you have postpartum. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right. You start to resent people around you. You start mm-hmm. to resent where you are in your life. Because right. you're not sharing. You're not opening up. You're not telling people. And so... You haven't healed all the way, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why the number is so is so high for us. Because mm-hmm. we don't want to be and the I angry share. black woman. Yeah, we don't mm-hmm. want to share. Right. You know. So yeah, continue. I don't know. I just um. So yeah, at the time, I really, I just really didn't connect it like as it being a postpartum. Even though I kind of like once I figured it out, I was like, okay, yeah. But I wasn't the thought of going to therapy. Mm-hmm. Never crossed my mind. Excuse me. Never crossed my mind. And, but even the thought of saying, going to my mom and saying, I need help. Right? It didn't cross my, I remember going to my mom's house one day and breaking down, like, you know, her room, her bedroom, like, I can't do this, mommy. I can't do this. I'm so tired. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about it, but that was it. Yeah. And she was like, you know that you can come and bring this baby whenever you want. But in my mind, in the way that I am, like people that know me, yeah. I'm not going to burden you. Right? Yeah. You, you're giving me the okay, but I'm not going to burden you. Um, so in my mind, if there's things that I have to do, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out and try to do it on my own. I don't want to bother nobody. And um, 
I think wow. that's I think that is something that is that's a part of us as well. Yeah. Like you know, I was talking to Simone, we were talking about the fact that like um lifestyle might have changed the way that this is. Like a lot our families are not as I don't know. I remember growing up and like everybody lived in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And you was at grandma's house, you was at yeah. auntie's house, you yeah. was at so-and-so house. Everybody's kids was, yeah. <laughs> you know, being babysat at the same time. Yeah. And you dropped your kids off where you could. Yeah. So you could do what you could do. Everybody has so much of their own stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Every- support. Right. You um, have to support. It's, you know, it, it, it's true because, like, even in, um, we, yeah, we were talking about that prior to the podcast about what's changed you know, in in our community where the numbers are so high as far as people, you know, dying or suffering from postpartum um, depression. And, and, and I remember your question was, was it something that happened, you know, back in the day as well? And, 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 and yes, I believe, I strongly believe yeah. this is something that happens for, for women. It, it, it's not new. Mm-hmm. What's different, you know, when for our ancestors is that there was that community, that support, right? Before they came to America. And then mm-hmm. when we got here and we were slaves together, there was still that support. Every yeah. we only had that one house. <laughs> <laughs> right? <Yeah>. Massa <laughs> live in the big house and everybody is living down near the field. Mm-hmm. And so we had to take care of each other. Yeah. So we didn't have a choice, mm-hmm. you know, but we're now in this divided community because the way the system sets us, set, sets it up to divide us, mm-hmm. right? You have, um, you know, people of color who may be a little bit more affluent and more, you know, more money mm-hmm. um, and they leave the community that they came from and they don't necessarily uh, support that community mm-hmm. anymore, mm-hmm. right? There is... And for whatever reason, sometimes you feel burdened, you know, right. but at the same time, I think if we were to go back to that community, mm-hmm. the way we had it when we were, our ancestors were in Africa and the way, you know, just really looking out for each other, I think you would feel more comfortable when someone That's offers that because mm-hmm. you've seen it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because now, you know, yes. And your mom is amazing. And I'm sure she meant what she said. (laughs) But you have a lot of time people will say, yeah, you know, bring them over. Right. Mm -hmm. But you still there's still that resentment and you feel it in other ways. Right. Right. So I can I can understand that um, in in you not feeling that way. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was I'm I'm I love you. (laughs) I do. And, and, and And like I've always said to you you know let it go like just really lean in mm-hmm. on people yeah. you said you're gonna do it this year when you your birthday you said you were going to yes okay. <laughs> don't play with me you said you were gonna be better at allowing people to support you and when they say when they give you something you don't talk yourself out of it <laughs> you don't talk it's... yourself out of it um because it's necessary. We need that support. And I think if there was that support, that really genuine support, mm-hmm. um, the numbers would go down. If we don't have that stigma about 
you know emotions that, people yeah. yeah and 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 that emotion that comes with having a child i can't imagine someone sucking on your titty you can't bathe you know what i mean right. somebody's always hanging off you or you got to pump the milk out mm-hmm. you know and always have to pay attention to this person mm-hmm. you know i love my space i'm just like i right. yeah shut up right <laughs> So you need to be able to have that. You need those moments. Those moments. Yeah, you need those moments. Um, sure. to, to yourself. So I can, you know, I can't imagine what that, that was like for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, you have now, you know, celebrities like Serena Williams, which is a good thing, good thing, sharing about her um, experience with PPD, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the more women in our community talk about it, like, mm-hmm. you know, in the neighborhood, because it's great. We have the celebrities that are talking about it, right? And and we're seeing it, but we need to also have our conversation about it. Right. And 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 sh- and shed light on that. So, you know, if you want to um, maybe talk a little bit about um what you end up what did you have to or did you do anything or you just sort of just ride the wave out um to get back to I... that state of mind where you were when you had a Mary. Do you know what I mean? Did you mm-hmm. do anything or you just sort of write it out? I kinda I think I kinda wrote it like I think I kinda wrote it out. Um luckily I was able to because um, I you know, what was I guess what was difficult too was even more difficult because it's not like I you know, some people are going through this and they're single mothers. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um let's talk I, about that. I wasn't at the time a single mother, right? We, we were still after I decided to give birth to him, I was like, well, Let's just rock this out. Let's work this out. And I think we stayed together for about another year and a half mm-hmm. before I moved to Harlem. A year and a half? Yeah, because I, I, uh, I think I came back to the Bronx. I was, that was 2008. Okay. okay. So, yeah, he was, yeah, that was 2008. So, like, right in the beginning of 2008. So, I, um, we were trying to work it out or whatever. And then in my mind, it was kind of like, <laughs> Right, I because I was depressed and angry or whatever. I was like, I can't do this by myself. So the even though I wasn't asking for the help that was offered to me, I said at least I have this other person at home where I can go and take a break for an hour. Mm-hmm. I can go and you know with my daughter and do some things with her, right? Because she was also going through, she was going through that. Uh, you know, what's the thing? She's missing her mom. That separation. That separation, or just feeling like she was neglected, right? Mm-hmm. Because now at this, <laughs> this really needy baby. <laughs> I'm still, sorry, he's still a little needy to, now. Yeah. Oh we love him. He's an amazing yeah, kid. <laughs> but he breastfed like nobody's business. I mean, it was almost like twenty hours a day. I don't know. So it was hard to. Um, detached from him without him just kind of crying a lot and stuff but so for me it was easier to have that person home but what was interesting is that because we were we're trying to work it out but then that that tension was still there right um so he wasn't really taking care of a johnny that much right so if he was home i was still doing most of the stuff like i literally had to like walk out the door to get a break um Mm. you know there was a part where he was like oh this is not my child kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. so he wasn't really taking care of him the way he was so I was still home with his father but like alone Mm. 
Yeah. Um, so when I left, <clears throat> I think for me, the blessing is that when I left and moved to the Bronx, um, even though I now became a single mother, right, I had more time to myself. Like, I accepted the fact that, like, all right, this is what my life is right now. And I had um, time to just be with myself and write more, right? Like, now this child was a little bit older. He was able to sleep a little longer. So I had moments where I was able to write, right? Whether whether it's me writing in my diary or writing songs, right? Like, I'm a singer in my head. Nobody knows that. But... (laughs) I know that. (laughs) But, um, so I write a lot of songs, but they don't, you know... But so a lot of my songs are stories or, or, you know, about me, my life or whatever I've gone through or whatever someone else has gone through. So it allows me to release a lot. So I got to do that. Um, Just, I mean, little things like I didn't, I still didn't do therapy or anything like that. Um, And again, I still don't even think at that point I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I was going through. Yeah. Right. It was just like all right, this is what your life is. You need to deal with it, right? That same stigma of being like, um, Simone is saying like a strong black woman. Like you just deal with what you got, what you got. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I try to, yeah, the writing, I mean, writing has always helped me. So that was, that's, that's always been my release, writing and just going back to doing some meditation every once in a while, taking walks in the park. Um, And yeah, my brother actually, was a good help too. My brother was living in the building at the time. He just got his own place up, upstairs. And so he would come down every once in a while and, you know, mm-hmm. be with the kids. So that was helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough when you, you know, you, you hit it when you said at least you had the father, even though he wasn't as active. Um, it probably in that first critical year mm-hmm. if he wasn't there things would have been worse oh yeah you know i think so yes. <laughs> that was so brave of you my friend to openly talk about your experience with postpartum depression on this platform it's conversation like these that will break the stigma around depression in the black community As I've said previously, I will be having more conversations about postpartum depression because it's an important topic, especially in the time of COVID-19, where we're so isolated and feeling alone. We have to change our script around mental health by having more discussions about depression. And we have to be each other's support system. If you have a friend who just had a baby and is saying things like, I feel fatigue, I'm constantly having stomach pain and headaches, you should dig deeper, ask more questions, because experts say that African-American women uses those physical terms instead of emotional terms. And if you're a new mother having feelings of hopelessness, crying excessively, having severe mood swings, or thoughts of harming yourself or your baby, you're most likely experiencing postpartum depression. Those are some of the symptoms of PPD. I urge you to seek medical help straight away. I've provided uh, some links in the script of this podcast on postpartum depression 
do hope you find them uh, helpful. Um, and of course, leave me a message um, if you want to just have a conversation. If you just want to share your thoughts, um, there is a uh, link below uh, where you can leave a message as well. Until next time, please be kind to each other and be kind to the Black women in your life, near or far. I love you.